Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1133. You can achieve anything you want to in life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Roberto Guerrero. Hey, Roberto, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready for you, Mark. Let's do it. All right. Roberto Guerrero is a professional race car driver who started racing at the young age of 12 when he captured two Colombian national championships in the country where he was born. His father, Roberto Guerrero Sr., competed in the 1984 Olympic Games in cycling representing Argentina. Roberto raced Formula Fords and in Formula 3, and he raced the German Maurer BMW team in European Formula 2. He joined the Morris non-Formula 1 team and raced for two years in the Formula 1 World Championship. And in 1984, he started driving IndyCars. 1992, he won the pole position for the Indianapolis 500, setting one of the four lap records of 232 plus miles per hour. Wow. He's raced off-road the Baja 1000 in NASCAR, and today he's a pro driver, a lead driver, a product specialist, a broadcaster, and instructor in numerous automotive venues and marks. I was very fortunate to catch up with Roberto at the Monterey Historic Races this past summer, where he was representing Jaguar. So, Roberto, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your incredible driving career. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about that career, about your passion for automobiles and racing? Uh, yeah, Mark, and the only thing I'd like to say, you mentioned my dad raced in the 1984 Olympic Games in London. It was actually 48. He 48? <laughs> I did a little dyslexia there. Well, I was going to say, that would make your dad a pretty young yeah, guy, pretty, wouldn't it? That was pretty good, actually, yeah. So, <laughs> Well, thank you uh, for that. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, that was uh, something very special. My father was from Argentina, and he he represented uh, Argentina in the 1948 48 Olympic Games in London, and nice. he really is. I mean, when he moved over to Colombia and he he met my mother, and and obviously uh, out of that union, uh, four children came out. Obviously, one of them is me, and and he's the one that really got me into. My father raised uh, cards uh, from the time that I was uh, two years old, so that's wow. really what really got me into it. And. Without my father, I really wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have gone anywhere. So that that's pretty cool. And so that basically is how my love for racing and automobiles began. My father, from the time that I was two years old, he raised uh, cards. So I basically grew up with that. And at that time in Colombia, they didn't have any junior classes, uh, just the, the class that my dad was racing. So obviously I would uh, sit in his go-kart and my feet would still be like three feet away from the pedals <laughs> and I would dream. And uh, and eventually that's why 12 years old, as I said, it was kind of late for today's standards, but it was uh, it was very young for that time. Well, what a wonderful beginning. And I found that that little fact about your father pretty darn interesting because to make it to the Olympics, I mean, you're the best of the best of the best. And uh, no doubt some of those uh, competitive genes came through your bloodline and uh, fed you during your racing career. And as we continue on that career and on the journey that you've had around cars, I always like to start 
by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life. I like to say it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars, yeah? So, Roberto, take the wheel. I think the, that would be, and again, it came from my father, is you can achieve anything you want to in life. And mm. uh, I mean, that coming from a young Colombia at the time that there had never been even a professional race car driver, let alone somebody making it into the ranks of Formula One, it was well served. And I still believe that, that you really got to believe and you got to have passion for what you do and you can achieve whatever you want. Well, I'll tell you, for a young man to come out of the country that you came out of and and go see the world and go race the world. It's a huge achievement. And I know when you think about other drivers from South American countries, of course, Ayrton Senna comes to mind as one of those. But I mean, that must have been an amazing thing for you as a young boy and then to end up driving all over the world. That quote from your dad, no doubt, was a push. But I mean, it's just an incredible adventure you've had. Yeah. I mean, it was a dream come true, literally. I mean, I I remember back in Colombia, the, the only way I would even know Formula One was kind of my passion. And the only thing they would have a French magazine in downtown Medellin, where I'm from, a weekly magazine. And I would go and I didn't speak French, but I would just I would just love looking at the pictures of the Formula One cars or so on. And I mean, to me, it seemed like those drivers, those people that drove those awesome automobiles were like gods. You know, there was no way. So, again, uh, back to the show, it was. Um, it was really quite an honor for me to have been able to uh, reach that that goal that I set myself as a very young kid. No doubt. And to represent uh, Colombia and the people of Colombia, um, uh, must have been pretty fantastic when you would come home after races. Uh, did you get received by the people of the country you grew up in uh, nicely as racing? Was racing followed by a lot of people in the country back then? Absolutely. And they, they loved it. Uh, I mean, it was... Uh, Really cool. Like I said, they never really had, and it, it's a. They had a lot of karting was very, very popular in Colombia, and they have their own racing. So they love. I think most of Latin America, they love their racing, and uh, that. So the, it was, it was very cool to have been uh, helped by them all the way along. No doubt, no doubt. Well, well, let's talk about a story that instigated that passion that you have. I know that your dad karted, so that kind of started it. But is there a pivotal moment when you remember that you realize, you know what, I've made the decision, I'm going to be a professional race car driver? Yeah, uh, I mean, again, that was that was a dream from when I was very, very little when I said I moved over to the UK. And it, it was a long, long story that I'm not going to bore your, uh, your listeners with. But uh, I first had to go to school. It was the idea for my father. Uh, I mean, obviously, he supported me, but his first priority was me going to school. So I, I kind of talked him into uh, the reason I was moving to the UK was to go to school, which I did do for <laughs> a couple of years. And I yeah. started myself, I enrolled myself in uh, in the Jim Russell Racing School and slowly. So when I knew that I was going to be a, a professional race car driver, I guess it was a little bit uh, when I... Uh, Within that Jim Russell school, when I finished it, I, I was able to do some races, and I, uh, I I finished one four of the five races that I did, and finished second in the other one. This is actually the time my dad didn't even know that I was racing at the time because I was just supposed to be going to school. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh, yeah. When I told him that, I mean, he was so excited, and then we would tell the people in Colombia 
Uh, and again, these were Jim Russell races. I mean, there were probably three people watching, and those were the parents of the kids <laughs> yes. in the races. But then in, back in Colombia, that made big news. Roberto Guerrero is winning races in, in England, and that made the front pages of the newspapers and ever. And that's the reason that my father was able to help me get all the sponsorships and the finance all the way from Colombia, even though a lot of the companies didn't really weren't getting any publicity in Europe or the UK, but they were getting a lot of PR back at home. And that's how the whole thing got rolling. So I think that was the time when the dream started to maybe becoming a little bit of a reality. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the roads and the tracks you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you face. Now, racing, boy, talk about picking a career that has ups and downs. Oh, my gosh. I think professional sports, professional racing, maybe acting are the those three areas that have so many highs and so many lows. But I'd love for you to share a big challenge you face along the way. Walk us through that situation because these things teach us valuable lessons we can carry forward. And tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your racing career. Well, again, that uh, kind of started slowly from there in the UK, and I and I started racing Formula Fords, which is very, 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 or used to be very, very competitive in the UK, and I did well enough. And again, with the support uh, from Colombia, uh, that I was able to keep getting the sponsors back in Colombia to continue racing in the UK, and I was able to move into the Formula Three arena, and and I actually remember that very clearly because I. I joined in a team, uh, it was the Anglia Cars at the time, Argo, and they, they hadn't really won a lot of races. They were kind of a smallish team, and I built an amazing relationship with one of the part owners who was also the engineer and mechanic and whatever. I mean, we did everything together with that. It was a very small team, and, and we were able to end up winning a lot of races in the, in the British Formula 3 Championship, which was kind of like the stepping stone into Formula 1. Those days, the Formula 3 Championships uh, really carried a lot of weight, and a lot of the Formula 1 team owners watched. And uh, we won a lot of races there, and we ended up finishing second in the championship, just uh, two points behind the the, the winner of the championship that year, that year. And, mm-hmm. and I remember it was uh, Stefan Johansson who won the, oh, the yeah. <laughs> British Formula 3 championship. They had, that was the time when the ground effects uh, were coming along in the early 80s. He was driving for rolled cars and, and that was the first time they came up with a full ground effects cars for Formula 3. He basically won the last four races of the year easily. Otherwise, we would have, we would have been a, had a really good shot of actually winning the championship. But it's a good lesson that that's what racing is all about and the technology and, and so on. And and uh, you just have to keep trying. Well, absolutely. And I, I think back to uh, so many of your races and one, of course, the Indy 500 race, which I believe you came in, you're on, you're on the pole, but you came in second. Is my memory right here? Well, unfortunately, that, that one, your memory uh, falters you a little bit. The, the year that I was in on, in the pole, with a new lap record, and it was unbelievable. That year, if you may remember, Marcus, I'm sure maybe a lot of you listeners would remember, was the year that the temperature was extremely cold. And mm. while I was warming up the tires before the start of the race, I actually lost control of the car and crashed on the party oh. lap before the green flag. So oh, no. If you can imagine, that was, I remember sitting in that car and saying, okay, this is. This is a nightmare. I'm hope I'm going to wake up here anytime. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. 
but unfortunately no, no. it wasn't. So that year, obviously, we had the record. I, didn't, I never even saw the green flag. And, and the only thing I always try to get up the positive uh, stuff out of every situation. And that year, there were, for that reason, for the, the conditions being so cold, there were 12 drivers that ended up at Methodist Hospital with different injuries. So every time there was a restart, the tires were so cold, people would just have a big accident. So I said, hey, well, at least I'm playing tennis on uh, on Monday and I'm not at Methodist yes. Hospital. So, so well, yeah. it ended up working out okay. Well, thank you for fixing my memory there. Maybe I wanted it to be mo- so much better than that, that tragic start. But you also had a really bad accident. And you're in the hospital for a long time. I've had many racers on the show here who have dealt with that kind of thing, but then they get back in the saddle or back in the seat. Maybe you can share, I'm not sure if you want to go there, but it was an important part of your life because I'm sure in many ways it changed a lot of things. But the fact that you came back from that is the best part of the story. Absolutely. And that was actually, that was in 1987. And that was kind of, that's when I had my first couple of IndyCar wins, and I was really looking with the Vince Granatelli team. We were looking like uh, we were looking really good to to maybe even win the uh, the IndyCar championship that year. And unfortunately, uh, after winning the race at Mid Ohio, we went. We were one of the top teams, and we went uh, back to Indianapolis. This was in September time to uh, uh, to do some tire testing for them. We ran two full days. And uh, we went through a million different tires and compounds and so on. Everything went really well. And the last lap when they call you, okay, bring it in, uh, Roberto. And when you're doing tire testing, uh, it's just as important. The last lap, you have to keep going really hard because they check the tire pressures and temperatures and so on. So you have to go as hard as the last minute. Unfortunately, a suspension piece uh, broke on that last lap in turn one. And I... And it was kind of a freaky accident because I didn't have any broken bones or anything. But unfortunately, the wheel, uh, when I hit the wall, came over and got me on the head. And that put me on a coma for 17 days. Oh, scary. Uh, uh, so, but I was, it, the hard part of that accident actually was with my wife. She was pregnant with our second child. Oh, yeah. Uh, that she had to listen because with that kind of injury, the doctors don't really know what the outcome is going to be. So they had to prepare her for the wars. They said, well, if Roberto comes out of the coma, uh, when your new baby is born, you probably will have two. He'll have to learn to talk and walk. Oh, no. Yeah. Can imagine how tough it is for a for a pregnant lady. to. No, I cannot imagine that. Not at all. No. I, I mean, I was just resting. I wasn't in feeling any pain or anything. So it was right. really it was really hard on my wife. And yeah. and thank goodness when I came out of the coma, uh, the recovery was very full and very quickly. And I was actually behind the wheel four months after that accident that a lot of people had said that I would never drive again. I was very blessed. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are all so happy that that was the outcome. But uh, oh my gosh. Well, listen, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. You've moved through a lot of different driving. I mean, you've driven so many different cool cars. I love the open wheel cars, of course, but the off-road stuff is pretty neat. But tell us about an aha moment in your career. Now, you've had a lot of those turns in your ro- in the road that you've traveled, but is there one that really stands out for you that you could kind of walk us through and how it made a big difference in your life and your career? An aha moment. And, and it's funny that... Uh uh, that you mentioned the off-road racing a little bit because that was that kind of happened after I stopped racing Indy cars and 
And uh, it was actually one of my neighbors that had a team and, and he came over and, and offered me if I was interested in uh, driving that year was in the year 2000. It was actually the Baja 2000. So they had oh, wow. 2000 miles instead of a thousand. And I had never done that. I said, well, I'm never racing the dirt, but I'll, I'll try it. And, uh, but anyway, going back a little bit was that aha moment was one of, one of the times in the middle of the night, it seemed like uh, most of the times that I raised the Baja 1000, I would end up getting the second section of driving, which was driving through the night and so on. There was one particular area, and that, that, is, that was the one thing that you had to be uh, very careful with the with the locals. They they would love to do booby traps. They called oh, them my the gosh. the night, and there was a certain area that I had uh, uh, pre-run it before and so on that there was a a dip that was like an incave literally like 500 feet drop uh, if you went straight but there was obviously a sign before to make it to the left well the locals uh, thought that it would be pretty funny to take that sign out oh no and i swear i ended up inches from uh, from from going in the 300 feet drop or whatever oh, it was oh jeez <laughs> oh my gosh what Nothing funny about that, that's I for sure. They think, and it was funny because then if they did a sort of a booby trap trap, and you roll the camera, then they would come and help you fix it. I'm well, of sure. course. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would have been tough, though. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm lucky you uh, lucky you avoided that. Now, you mentioned it was one of your neighbors that got you in that. I know you live up there in um, San Juan Capistrano area. Was that by any chance Marty Fiolka that got you involved? It is actually, it is. And that's, yeah. you know, Marty. He- well, yeah, Marty's a long-term friend. He's been a guest on the show. And I want to give him a shout out because, as you may know, Marty has just come off of a serious uh, health issue that was a huge scare. Uh, was in the hospital for 28 days, I think, something like that. But he's out now. He's on the mend. Shout out to Marty Fiocca. I, I'm I, When you mentioned it was a local friend of yours, I know Marty lives right down the road from you there, as my sister lives right down the road for you and my mom. So it's all one big happy family. So uh, a shout out to Marty for uh, his absolutely. recovery. And a shout out from me and I just letting Marty know uh, we had a lot of prayers yes. going out for him and, and hopefully he's out of the out of the wars and we look forward for him having a full recovery also. Absolutely. Boy, that was a whole freak deal. But uh, here's to you, Marty. He's a fighter, I know. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and go back and talk about your first really res- uh, special race car, I like to, I like to say. Um, you've been in a lot of different kind of race cars, but is there one in particular that you finally strapped yourself into that you went, wow, I'm here? You know, that uh, it really is funny when you think that because obviously making it into Formula One was, was obviously my dream. And that was pretty special, even though we were with a very small team and very underfinanced. Uh, the car that I have to say was my very uh, favorite was, and you mentioned in your introduction, the Formula Two car, the Maurer, which was a German car and was designed by Gustav Brunner. Mm. And I think that was the most beautiful uh, race car that I ever drove was uh uh, really l- the latest technology. I mean, Gustav Brunner ended up being a Formula One designer and he, he was an incredible, uh, very talented designer. And uh, so that really was, uh, I mean, I remember being so proud the first time getting into into that car and driving because it was, it was just not only so awesome, but it was so beautiful. So I think that was the, the Formula Two Marer was really my favorite car, I would say. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of race car drivers 
don't really have a lot of cool cars in their garage because they get to drive the coolest cars on the track. But is there a car that you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage? I mean, I think it's true what you said, Mark, that I, uh, but I do have a little bit of a cool story with that. Dan Cotter was, you know, he was the owner of the True Value stores that he really is the one that brought me into IndyCar racing. Um, We had a great relationship with him and there were, for the year 95, we were uh, negotiating the contract and we were a few dollars apart. And he lives in Chicago. He lived. He doesn't anymore. He used to live in Chicago and he would always drive his 911 Porsche from Chicago to Indianapolis, where the team was based. And he knew that I loved that car because I would, I would open it. And it was, it was a 1980 911 um, SE and it was gold. It was a beautiful, beautiful car. And we were separated by a few dollars on the contract. He says, well, if, if we sign, I'll, I'll put the, I'll put the 911 in a in a true value truck and I'll send it over to California. I said, okay, oh, it's a deal. Done. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, we still have that car in the garage under covers. And it, it 1980 911 and it has 21,000 miles. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. That is cool. Wow. That, that is a cool one. And, and it's funny because we... At certain times, well, it's taking a lot of space. In the, we, we use it so little, as you can see from the mileage. And, and, and I said, maybe I'm going to get rid of it. And I I mean, from my whole family, from my wife to my kids, you cannot get rid of that. That's so <laughs> sentimental values and whatever. Yes. So, so yeah, no. it's still in the garage. <laughs> you know, anytime you get that urge, Roberto, you just call me and or text me and say, is the doctor in? And I will talk you out of that, okay? <laughs> okay. Unless, of course, you sell it to me. but. Um, I think maybe one of those children of yours might be eyeballing that car for the future. But 1980, so that's the SC uh, right after or right before the Carrera, because I had an 84 Cabriolet that was the first year of the Carrera 911. But uh, what a nice car. And in gold, that's pretty yeah, unique, too. Yeah, so well, and the, interior, the interior was like the checkered. Uh, in- oh, so, gosh. Yeah, yeah. And So it was a cool. We still love that car. Oh, my gosh. Well, next time I come down to visit my mom or my sister, I'm going to call you and come over and have you give me a ride in that thing. Yeah, that that would be an excuse to actually get it out of the garage. And there you I, go. That's the thing. Yeah. So you probably- I, would, I would love to be that excuse. That would be pretty cool. Sounds like a fantastic car. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners what you're doing today. Now, when you and I talked last, uh, I was down there at the Laguna Seca Historic Races enjoying all the cars and i walked up to the jaguar display you guys had the beautiful cars on display a wonderful setup there and the young lady said here i'll give you a jaguar hat by the way uh would you like to talk to roberto he's here and i went roberto who she said roberto guerrero and i went yes i want to talk to him so i was so excited got a picture with you i uh, would love to hear what you're up to these days because you're doing a lot of different things yes and uh, and one of them is you know we do a lot of events i work with as independent contractors with the different manufacturers on the training side on uh, uh, marketing events like we were doing right there in uh, in Laguna Seca, we'll do a lot of training stuff and so on. And I do probably 70, 80 percent of the work with uh, with Jaguar. And I've, I've really become I love their products. And in fact, I'm sure we talked about it, Mark, that the latest product is the I-Pace, the fully electric uh, Jack, that that I fell in love with it from the first time that I drove it, and it's just incredible. And you, well, it's an electric car. I said, yes, but you know, 
uh, I'm, I'm good at being uh, forward thinking and I know that's the future. And, and then when you drive it and you see it, uh, how it is. So, uh, so that's kind of what I do. And the, and the beauty of what I do is that, uh, I haven't yet had a, a eight till five job, thank goodness, and I, and I thank <laughs> yeah. God for that. So you can kind of pick and choose the events that you want to do and so on. So it still gives me the liberty and, and is still being involved with automobiles, which has been my life. Oh, yeah. And Jaguar, that's the car, the brand, the mark that started it for me. My father bought me a Jaguar Matchbox by Lesney, a little red coupe. I still have it sitting right here on my desk. That's what started it for me. I've always loved Jaguar, and that brand just keeps evolving and better. But that I-Pace is an incredible car. I mean, it's just fantastic. Some of the stats and things that you guys shared with me while I was down there at that display, I was really happy to see it. And, of course, with what all the marks are coming out with, if you take, obviously, Tesla, but even Porsche with their new all-electric car and all the other brands, that is the future. And those things are kick-butt fast. They, they really are. They really are. And, and, and I mean, that, the first time that I drove, it was so blown away because, I mean, that torque is incredible. It's yes. So I know. quiet and so fast. <laughs> it's like a rocket, but without any noise. I mean, it was, it was really fun, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome brand, Jaguar. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Roberto. If you were a car, if you were manifested into a vehicle, what would you be and why? <laughs> that is a good one, yeah. I mean, I would like to think, I mean, I still uh, like to stay in good shape and I'm, uh, I'm not too overweight. I like to stay in good shape. So I would love to be uh, McLaren P1. I love the look of those cars. So I don't know if, that, if that's wishing a little high, but that would be. That would be my wish. It's always good to set the bar high. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you pick something pretty darn special, but I think that'll work for you, Roberto. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. 
Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Roberto, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've been here many times. The white flag is out. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice or racing advice you've ever received? Again, that was the same one from my father. Uh, You can achieve anything that you put passion into it and believe. Absolutely. What a way to go through life. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes on and off the racetrack? I think that, uh, I mean, the perseverance, the desire, the passion for racing. And I, I think that's what you have to do with anything you, you do in life. You have to have passion for it. And that way, that means if you have passion, you will be successful at it. Now, how about a resource? There are wonderful resources for us automotive enthusiasts these days. Is there one in particular that you enjoy that you could share? There really are so many of them online now that is uh, is made it so simple. And there really are. I don't have one specific that I go to, but there are a lot of different venues that, that you have. You basically can get any information that you want to online this way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's give uh, one of your employers a plug here, Jaguar. How about a website for them? I would assume they've got some pretty cool information for listeners to find. Simply Jaguar.com or Jaguar USA if you're here in the U.S.? JaguarUSA.com, yes. And they have uh, a lot of cool information. And and obviously, they keep coming up with new products. They're really going into the electrification thing by 2020, which is just around the corner. Every single Jag will be able to be electrified, either hybrid or fully electric. So it's a uh, it's pretty big, uh, pretty big steps and and uh, pretty big plans that they have. That's incredible because 2020. I mean, we're almost we're just a quarter away from 19, and then 20 comes. I mean, we're there already. So exactly, it's pretty pretty ambitious, pretty ambitious. Now, fantastic. Well, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit in and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased, who would that person be? I'd love to have uh, had dinner with uh, Lee Ayacocca. Oh, yeah. I, I think he was a really incredible man, the way he ran his companies and whatever. So I, I would love to have coffee with him. You know, wouldn't that be incredible? And I know something about you that maybe our listeners don't know. I know that you're always trying to work on improving your business acumen, economics, uh, the way businesses operate. I mean, you're you're always learning. You're always teaching yourself things or going to places that find things. Is there a book that you might share with us that might tie into that that you think our listeners would enjoy that's business related? Yeah, I can't think of any uh, either of a, of a book right now, Mark, but uh, the way that I go in life is, to me, honesty is is a really huge quality. And I think uh, if you treat people with respect and honesty and uh, treat people the way that you like to be treated, there's no reason why you shouldn't be successful at whatever you want to do. Well, absolutely. And I'll let our listeners know, I chase a lot of people to be guests on this show because I love sharing people's stories. And Roberto was so genuine when I went up and talked to him. You were so kind to spend some time with me. Very quick to respond to my request. Here we are recording your show. So you're a guy that walks his talk. Absolutely. I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources on Roberto's Cars Yes show notes page. 
Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Roberto Guerrero, and that page will pop right up. All right, Roberto, we're up to a fun question here. I like to call it a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, vintage race car, something fun to park in your garage. Money's no object, but there's a couple rules. It's the only one you can have in your garage. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, and you have to drive it. No garage queens. We're not even going to provide a cover because you're going to be out driving this thing so much. Okay? So what can I buy you today? I think you would buy me, uh, again, I've, I've grown to love uh, Jacks a lot. So if you, if you bought me a beautiful 1963 uh, Jaguar E-Pace, I would, I would love to have that. I mean, Jaguar E-Type, I'm sorry. E-Type. E-type. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when I was at the Quail event this past summer, Jaguar had a display there where they had an E-Type that was a fully electric. Did you see that car? I did, and uh, that wouldn't be my first choice. I mean, as I said, I'm very <laughs> forward thinking, but to me, if you're going to have an E-Type, it needs to be the original E-Type. It's yeah. not be an electric vehicle. So so don't get me that one. Just get <laughs> an original E-Type, and I would be very happy. You know, I think I'll do. I'll buy you an original, and of course, the Series 1, 63. What an awesome year. Maybe I'll get you one, and I'll get that electric one for me, and we'll see which one is quicker. I have, right. a, I have a feeling... <laughs> With your driving skills, I need all the brakes I can get to try to keep up with you. But uh, I would love nothing better than to park an E-Type in your garage. Boy, that would be wonderful. Do you have a favorite color so that I get you the right car? Uh, It has to be uh, British Racing Green, of course. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Roberto, you have taken us on a wonderful ride today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing uh, racing and automotive journey. Would you offer our listeners a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 63 Jaguar E-Type? <laughs> Just basically thanking you, Mark. It was a lot of fun. It was very oh. nice meeting you and, and chatting with you in uh, Laguna Seca. And then uh, this talk has been very enjoyable. I very much appreciate it. And, and I, I wish all the best to all your listeners. Well, absolutely. The pleasure's been all mine. And is there a way for people to follow along with what you're doing these days? Uh, not really. Maybe just follow Jaguar. Yeah, I think for Jaguar <laughs> probably would be that. Yeah, I'm not. Our daughter keeps saying, "Yeah, you need to, you need to set up this uh, old Instagram day. or a website or I'm, yeah." I'm not really much into that, so. Well, we'll just uh, put Jaguar down as a way to keep up with Roberto, and maybe one of these days. Uh, your daughter will set you up at least with an Instagram account. And she'll teach you how to post up there. I, I know there's a lot of people that would love to follow along with what you're doing. Or maybe those folks at Jaguar will set you up with something like that. But I understand. But I think mostly I want to thank you for being a guest here today. Thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me. This has been a real delight. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. 
For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.